Back to the Culture Call on Praise 93.3 with L. Spencer Smith. Our desire is to reach and empower the community by discussing a cross-section of relevant topics from various perspectives that are essential to its growth and interpersonal connections. Be sure to save our call-in number 205-752-4800. Be sure to install the free Praise 93.3 app so you can send L. Spencer Smith a message or topic idea. Search for WTSK in your app store. This is a world Great morning, great morning, great morning, precious people. You know what time it is. That's right. It's time for your number one talk show right here. The Culture Call with yours truly, Elspeth Smith. Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. That's right. This is the place where Tuscaloosa indeed meets the world. And guess what? For the next two hours, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we're going to be talking a little bit about everything. That's right. From society to sports, education to economics, from religion to relationships, we are always here to create a safe space to have empowering, provocative, and yes, sometimes controversial conversations. And guess what? You can call it in and chat it up with us as we learn together right here on The Culture Call. Listen, want to send a special shout-out, number one, to all of you who may be our new family members listening to The Culture Call. Welcome to the CC family. If this is your first time on The Culture Call, I am elated to have you with us on this ride for the next couple of hours, I'm telling you, and we're going to have a time, a time in talk, a time in conversation, a time in dialogue. So much is going on in the world but I'm grateful and glad that you are here to take this trip with us. Yeah, just to kind of see what's going on, especially in the black community, in our community especially. I think it's very important for us to do that work, and we're going to do it as much as we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Also want to sh- send a shout-out to those who are our consistent listeners. Listen, you listen to us every day. You see me in the street. You see me in a restaurant. You see me just kind of stopping at the traffic light. You pull down your window. Hey, that's you. Hey, I'm glad. You come by the church and let me know that you are listening to the culture call and that I'm doing a good job. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job for our community and for all of Tuscaloosa. Uh, So we try to do that on the culture call. And last but not least, I want to send a super big shout out to the inimitable, the fabulous, the awesome brother Jay that leads us into this spot every morning. That's right. He starts off your day with the best in good gospel music. I'm telling you, the number one, he, you can't, listen, there ain't nobody but one brother Jay, and we thank God for him every day. Yeah, and he passes this baton to me, hot, bubbling, and guess what I'm doing? I'm going to run on, run on, like the saints say, and see what the end is going to be. Listen, do me a favor. If you haven't done it already, I say this every morning. I want you to do it. I'm going to say it until I know everybody does it. Go ahead to your app store on your smart device, whether that's an Apple device or an Android device, and search out in your app store, Praise 93.3. There you're going to find a free 99. Cha-ching, free 99 app. Does not cost you a thing to download on your phone, on your iPad, or whatever device you're using. And you can hear us and listen to us from all around the country. Dare I say, even all around the world. That's right. We are touching everywhere. So it doesn't matter where you are. Baltimore, Maryland, Richmond, Virginia, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, you can hear us. If you're in uh, Mobile, Alabama, 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jackson, Mississippi, and definitely right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Birmingham, uh, Montgomery. Uh, yeah, said Mobile, Huntsville, wherever you are, Bology, Reform, Utah, yeah, or Coleman, yeah, wherever you are and you're listening to Praise 93.3, you can hear the culture call. Absolutely. Listen, do me a favor. That's right. Do me a favor and send me your public service announcements from your church, for your from your organization to culturecall.praise at gmail.com. That's culturecall.praise at gmail.com. And let me let everybody help me to help you help everybody come to what, what you're having. Lottie, Dottie, and everybody to what you're church or organization, sorority, fraternity, whether you're an artist getting ready to have a concert or a preacher getting ready to run a revival. We want to have faces in the place. That's right. We want to make sure that people show up and support you because you know that support lets you know that you're doing something wonderful. So let me help you. Go ahead. Culturecall.praise at gmail.com. You know why? Because we do it better when we do it together. And of course, write down the golden number. Here it is. 205-752-4800. That's 205-752-4800. And you can call into the show. Yes, you can. And you can talk and talk to me and chat it up. Let me know what we're talking about. Let me know what you think about what we're talking about. Your perspective. Yeah. Let me know how I'm doing. You can also do that on our app as well. Uh, they has a, have a chat feature there. And uh, when you chat it up, guess what? I'll get it and I'll... You know, I read it. I read it on the air, and we'll yeah, we'll chat it up. Whatever you want to talk about, yeah. If I'm doing a good job, let me know. If I'm doing a bad job, let me know. I'll get better. I promise you. <laughs> Absolutely. I simply want to hear from you. Listen, do me a favor. Sit back and relax. Yeah, it's almost that time. So grab you some coffee. You know how we do it, Maxwell House or Starbucks. Grab you some herbal tea. If you don't like coffee, get you some tea. Whether you're trying to calm down, get some chamomile, or you need a little caffeine kick. Get a little green tea. They have a little few, few, uh, fruit infusions. There you go. Uh, green teas now. Give you a little caffeine kick. And you always definitely can get some alkaline water. Get you some water. That's right. Detox that body. Flush out what you had for dinner last night. That's right. And wake those cells up. Yeah. And let's get into the culture. Listen, beloved. We are still in the month of February. Yeah, it's winding down. Yeah, time is filled with swift transition. And uh, uh, this month has had a lot of impactful things, I know, for me. And uh, uh, a lot of things have been going on. Uh, but I want to highlight in these next couple of weeks just some honorable people uh, in, for, in black history and both past, present, past and present that have shaped and are helped shaping uh, our community and giving us people to look, uh, to, look to, uh, not from an idolization context, but in an inspirational context that, context that they're doing so much and have done so much uh, to pave the way and continue to do that in this country we call America. And uh, we are grateful for every, every black person, uh, not just this month, because we know that black history is American history. And so we're going to do that later on in the show and do a little uh, black history moment. Yeah, so that you'll know some of the people uh, that have done some great things, not just in Alabama, but all around the country and all around the world. So much is going on. So many trial cases uh, with the former president is going, going is going on this week. Y'all saw them shoes, those sneakers that he put out. I'm not going to even go there today. We're not, we're, culture, culture call, we are not going to do that in Black History Month. <laughs> we are just not going to do that. 
We're not going to do that. What I am going to tell you is just open up your eyes and be aware. Open up your eyes and be aware. And remember, and remember this. Remember this. Y'all ready? Remember this from the late Zora Neale Hurston, author, uh, philosopher, thinker. Yeah, Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, All of our skin folk are not our kinfolk. So you got to watch even when folks that look like you from a uh, hue standpoint, from a melanated standpoint, look like you. Watch what comes out of their mouth. Yeah, because some of that stuff, yeah, is aiding and abetting foolishness. And to turn the clock back, um, they found some level of power and privilege uh, uh, with, with being connected to being white adjacent. And white is not, in my term, is not a color. As I told the church on Sunday, white, it, whiteness is an institution. It's not a color. It's an institution. It is something that was set up uh, in this country and from the beginning uh, in the 1500s to divide. To divide, to divide. Whiteness has always been a thing to divide and demark from pride uh, to privilege to access to institutions. So whiteness is an institution. So I don't want you to get to the place where, oh, all white people are this or all white people are that, but all white people are that because it's not. Because all black people are not. Yeah. <laughs> all black people, you can't give a dap or a high five too, right? You can't bring them in and no. Again, all of your skin folk are not your kin folk. And so you got to begin to understand uh, that that there are people that have found privilege uh, because of their access to the adjacency to the institution of whiteness. And I think that's very important. So as you look this week, a whole lot is rolling out. A whole lot is rolling out. Rolling out. And uh, yeah, so much we could say about the political and the judicial just I, just, I just need y'all, how the old saints say, watch as well as pray. That's what the text tells us to do, to watch as well as pray, because there's a whole lot going on, and I don't want our people to be late last and all lost. Trust me, as long as I'm on the air, we will not be, because I will definitely bring it up. Listen, but I do want to turn the corner a little bit, because I had... Uh, a, a, few, a couple of listeners, a few listeners, rather, rather uh, to ask me to talk about this whole idea. And I was a little reticent. I was like, uh, I don't know if we want to talk about that right now. But guess what? Not only is it Black History Month, it is also the month of love. And so what somebody asked me was a younger person said, uh, Bishop, would you please just talk about black love and what's going on there? What's going on with black men and black women, black, you know, and I get a lot of that lately. And I'm like, I taught on last week, Wednesday, and it was a it was a challenging, a challenging teaching. I'm not gonna teach on it today, but there it seems to be in my research, there seems to be a little, you know, a uh, little something going on in relationships. And, and it doesn't matter if you're religious or not, it doesn't matter if you go to church or not. There's there's some kind of, I don't know, some kind of I hate to use this word because I don't use it lightly. Some kind of warfare, <laughs> warfare, or better yet, a tremendous disconnect uh, with regards to developing love relationships. I'm not just talking about friendships. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about love, being in love, love that leads to covenant, love that leads to uh, uh, persistence and enduring intimacy, love that leads to marriage and children, family, and the perpetuation of 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 legacy and inheritance, that kind of love. Yeah, that kind of love that I see you, you see me, and you make butterflies go in my stomach. Yeah, I'm talking about that kind of love. 
um, that there were a few people that came to me and said, why is it so difficult to find in this time? And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I am one has, who has been married for a long time. I've been with my wife since college. So, you know, I have to admit that um, back, seemingly back in the day, it wasn't as difficult. But today, it seems like, you know, from, from the admission of those who are living, uh, who are trying to live and find love, acquire love, to have that kind of love, uh, perhaps that they saw growing up, it's been a little bit difficult for them. And while I, while I empathize with them, I believe that my job and my assignment this morning is to kind of have a conversation and some dialogue around that notion about what's really going on with this love context. And, and I get it. I, I get it. I, I don't want you to think that I am I'm remiss from that because I have children and, you know, friends in that area uh, who are still trying to really want to, you know, find that, that special one. They want to, you know, uh, what you say, stick their swords in the sand of time <laughs> and study war no more as it relates to love and relationships. But it's hard out here. You know, back in the day, we had a song, it's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what we said back in the day. But it's hard out here when you want to give your love, your life, and your heart to somebody, and you feel like it ain't nothing but games or, or, or obfuscation. You don't, that people are willingly trying to confuse and blind the matter and darken the matter, not being truthful and honest and authentic and, and all of those things. You know, it kind of messes love up, especially the way that God has given it. And God wanted it to be given from us uh, uh, to others, right, on various levels. And when you think about it, when you think about this whole notion of love and as it relates to, you know, their issue was, I'm not concerned about anybody else. <laughs> I'm concerned about black love. Why black women have this thing against, seemingly against black men Number two, why do black men seemingly have this thing against black women? And how come relationships are not lasting? They seem very temporary. What's this thing about this? What's this thing about that? How do we approach that? And I mean, the litany of questions are long, right? Now, some people, you, you know, well, most people ask me because I am a pastor, right? And sometimes they feel like pastor knows everything. Uh, some people just, just ask me because they want to have a conversation, um, and they know that I'm going to do the research or have some level of understanding and knowledge and insight, at least, uh, to what the question is in terms about what's going on with black love. And uh, because of that notion, I'm, I'm going to broach this subject this morning because I do think it's important. I do think it's important. Here's the deal. Number one, let's start off. Y'all ready? Let's start off talking about this. Let's, let's make some definitions or Better yet, better, better than definitions, let's deal with some location first. Love is not a, an idea, an action, a function that derives from man, derives from humanity, right? And since it does not find its origin from humanity, it cannot be defined properly by humanity. That's the first thing I think is very important, right? That this, the way that you're seeing love or have seen love played out, you have to understand that the very, uh, uh, very original context, the, uh, the epistemological uh, context of love 
does not or does not start with men. Does not start with humans. No, it doesn't. Uh, it it starts with God, <laughs> right? Love is of God, for God is love. God sets the definition. He is the origin. He is God's identity is love, right? God is love, right? And so when you start thinking about love, I already it all it's already going to confront the notions in my mind, in our minds, to what we think love is and what it should be, right? Because if we're trying to define to define love from apart from the context of what God is and how God shows and gives it, then we're not really understanding and never and not really ready for love, right? Because again, love is an idea, it's an action, it's a commitment, it's a it's an idea of perseverance. It has it has so many nuances to it. But at the end of the day, love is unconditional. An unconditional decision to perpetually do what is best on behalf of another individual. And even if that means, here it is, you already, even if that means laying down your life for that individual. All right, there we go. Let's start, right? Uh-huh, I know some of y'all are like, okay, all right, all right. Turn the preacher off because he's getting ready. No, keep it on. I need you to keep the radio on because it's going to get good. I'm starting off slow because I don't want you to miss it. The problem that we're currently having is we are not allowing God to define love himself, how it works, what it does, what it's supposed to do. We're not allowing him to do that. That's number one. Number two, we are defining it ourselves based upon our existential experiences, the things that we have gone through, the ways that we have tried love, the ways that love has failed, the people, the circumstances, the trauma and the pain and the drama that go, that went along. I'm talking about from back from elementary school all the way up until what we are right now. We are trying to define love uh, and as if love is our origin or the, the origin of love began with us, begins with our perception and our perspective and our definition and the way that we have experienced it. So not only, not watch this, not only have we improperly defined love, have not taken that time to, to study uh, what God says love is, the actions to see how God loves, to see how he utilizes love, uh, yeah, how, how love functions when God loves, right? Not only have we not done that, right? We also then, on the other side, uh, try to make the assumptions in our own experience the truth about love's definition. And so all of, already we see ourselves on a crash course, with, with, with seeing or with understanding or experiencing how love should not work, right? Before we talk about what's going on with black love, what's, what's really going on with black men, black women, we've got to start from the genesis of this whole thing. Because we don't necessarily, watch this, we don't necessarily wait on God's ordained love. That's the first thing, number one. And because we don't wait, it's like it's like you, at, at a, as a child, touching the stove with your bare hands when it's hot. Because, listen, uh, or better yet, trying to grab a pot without pot holders. 
and without understanding that that thing that is going that can feed you that's getting ready to feed you if you mishandle it it can also burn you and cause you to have severe pain and so that's what really love is and so a lot of us grab the pot with both hands with no with no pot holders with our bare hands and the heat from that pot often burns us because yes it was designed to feed you but because you weren't prepared and you weren't ready to what? Handle it properly. It caused you, it caused what was designed to feed you, was prepared to feed you, now is an instrument or a weapon of to harm you, right? And so that's very important. That's very important to know. And so many people approach love and relationships from that aspect, from that, that aspect of no caution. And then, watch this, ready? When you get burned, because when you mishandle love, <laughs> let's continue with the stove analogy. When you mishandle love, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get burned. And when you get burned, now you have a traumatic experience. And, comma, you judge everybody else that you meet or judge every other relationship based upon the burn. Because you've never experienced the blessing You've only experienced the burn. Then when I meet somebody or somebody introduces themselves to me and I have another opportunity at developing a love relationship, I am perceiving that person from the vantage point of my last experience, which was the burn. You see what I'm saying, Coach Nicole? Right? Okay. So, and so, you know, uh, that that's how and a lot of us do that. Right? So the, the next person... Uh, suffers the penalty for for my mishandling love in the very beginning, right? And I know love doesn't function properly without accountability, right? That's the next thing. Love does not function properly without accountability. If I don't have accountability, if I do not make myself accountable and responsible and not a proper steward over the process of how this thing is supposed to function, how it's supposed to act, what is my response, as opposed to my reactions, how it must be well thought out, and how at the end of the day I must be willing, if I really say I love that person, that thing, I must be willing, have a willingness, it may never come, but I have a willingness that if it takes my life to save that thing, that person, or that place, then that is what I'm going to do in the name of love. Now watch this. God is the author of it. He's the origin. Let me show you something. And he loved us enough to die for us. He loved us enough to die through his son, Jesus Christ. So likewise, likewise, here's what Jesus said. As the father sent me, I'm sending you. So when I say I love you, come on. When I say I love you, then my love is not based on any other perception than how God loves. I am willing to invest my life into you. And if need be, I am willing to take my last breath. And especially if my last breath is going to make you better. It's the best thing for you that I'm willing to do that. All right. That, that's the standard by which God sets love. And listen, listen. Song of Solomon 8.4 says, I adjure your daughters of Zion, do not stir up love 
Do not stir up or awaken love until it is ready. And a lot of us have to admit that the reason why love does not work or has not worked is because we stirred it up before it was ready or before it was awakened, right? We tried to, we tried to, you know, matter of fact, shake it and wake it. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I know I'm ready. I know I'm ready. I know I'm ready. But never thought about, hey, what is this going to cost me? What investment do I have to make to really say that I'm in love? Now, that's very important because the new trend in the black community seems to be uh, broken homes, broken relationships, right? Uh, uh, children that whose, whose parents are not together, uh, uh, and, and that, that's systemic. That's kind of systemic in our, in our community, right? And either, number one, we're not doing love right, one. Number two, we're confusing sex with love because of the feeling of sex. We think because it feels good that I must be in love. I want to tell you that ain't true <laughs> without any stretch of the imagination. No, 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 no. That sex really was not supposed to be experienced outside of understanding what love is and what love does and love act because acts because God knew that sex felt so good that it could really deceive you to think that what you are in love and that you are ready for love. That's why sex should not be had outside of understanding and the readiness of yourself uh, for love. Because when I give you me, when I give you me or I receive you, uh, as you give me you, that says we make a covenant and a commitment that this ain't just a one-time thing. See, we have messed up this thing so bad, and not only have we messed it up, we've supplanted it or we've tried to replace it with this phrase, my truth. But see, here's the deal. Your truth is not enduring. Your truth does not endure forever, Right? Right? Your truth is a part of the grass withering and the flower fading. Right? <laughs> right? Your truth will change this year, 2025. You'll be somebody different with a totally different aspect, totally different place. No, no. His truth is the one that endures. Right? Your truth is something that we give to ourselves and that we say to ourselves culturally to make us feel good about the stances we have taken and the experiences uh, that we, we have had and the perspectives of that we live by, right? That I'm just my, that's just my truth. That's just my truth. Not even understanding that with new information, your truth can change, Right? That's what that's that's why it's dangerous. Well, I'm just this my truth. Okay, all right, no problem. But when you find out new truth, what happens? Then your truth is upended. So the issue is not for you to stand ten toes down on your truth that you've discovered in your life, in your relationships. It's to stand on God's truth and let his truth prevail. What does the text say? Let God be what? True, and every other man what? Be a liar. And every man be a liar. That if it does not measure up to the standard of what God has said. Okay, well, what if, what if I don't believe in God? I, listen, I'm going to tell you this. From an from a ethical standpoint. See, here it is. You don't have to be believing God to, to be moral. To understand how a thing functions. I'm telling you how a thing functions. Now, whether you believe in God or not is your prerogative. But uh, on this Praise 93 Inspiration Station... We believe in God, and since we believe in God, there is a way 
that will always seems right to a man. But what is the end? Destruction, pain, trauma, hurt, brokenness. And God says, I didn't design love to hurt you to that degree. I didn't design love to hurt you 15 times to make you wonder if this love thing is ever for you. So that individual that came to me and said, well, Bishop, tell me what's going on. How come I can't find a man? How come, man, where are all the good women at, right? See, th that, that's first. The first thing I said, are you ready for that? Are you ready to, 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 for love? What do you mean? I'm, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to settle down. No, you think you are. You think you are because the culture says you are. You think you are because your friends say you are. You think you are because you see something on social media. You saw something on television, and now you think you're ready for love. But the question today is, are you really ready for love? Black love, white love, Latin love, Hispanic love, Asian love, it don't matter. Are you ready to wake up and stir up love? Because if you are, we've got some tips Today, we're going to walk you through some science and help you prepare yourself and position you to move further in what you say you're ready for. Or guess what? Or at least to help you admit that I'm not as ready as I thought I was. We're going to have a black love conversation today, and you do not want to miss it. Tell Lottie Dottie, everybody, tell your nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, all your children. Tune in to the Culture Call. Listen, we've got more to come, and I don't want you to miss it. Go ahead and get hydrated. Get your cup of coffee or some tea. Get your little toast and some cheese on it. You know how we do it. And be right here. Don't miss it. This is a world back right here on the culture call with yours truly L. Spencer Smith right here on Praise 93.3 your inspiration station man we are getting ready to have a time listen we've already started talking about black love this morning what is going on what y'all out here doing <laughs> in these love streets huh in these black love streets huh? what happened to uh, Ozzy Davis and Ruby D what happened to all <laughs> What happened to that kind of love, right? Yeah, I know. It's father missed and all that, you know. We're in a season now where we can't even look at our pastors and first ladies to think that that's love. You can't look at your mom and your daddy. You can't look at your uncle and your uncle, your uncle and your aunts and all those things think that people, you know. You, we, we had this, this fairy tale idea about what love is. And uh, what we're finding out is that a lot of it probably was a farce. Um, it wasn't built on anything real. It was, watch this word, transactional. Means, I give you something, you give me something. Let me say this, that love is not transactional. That, what do you mean? That you can literally, God shows us, y'all ready for this one? This is why you got to be very careful. God shows us that you can love an individual and they not love you back. That they're not going to give you anything for what you give them in terms of your love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Push pause. You don't need no more to text. Right? When you love, the action of love, the output, the evidence of love is in your giving or willing to share and contribute. Watch this, but it's not transactional. Does not mean that it's going to come back to you. That's why it is veritably important for you to wait until what God joins together. That you don't just go out here scrambling, scrambling, pickling, choosing, and sticking out your leg and, and exposing yourself, your secrets to just any random individual because 
Love is you'll start giving love and thinking love. Well, I love them. How come they don't love me? That's not how love works. That's not how it works. No, we give love, but it's not transactional. What I am hoping, here's the hope. Here's the hope. Here's the faith part of love. That when I start loving, that the individual that I love loves me back, loves me too, right? That it's not a keeping score kind of situation because I think that's a lot of times what love relationships are, keeping score, right? You do for me, I do for you, and we are calling it and labeling it love. That's not true. That's just a transaction. And their business transactions fail, right? And the Bible says love never fails. So that means sometimes I'm going to have to give to you and that, watch this, and expect and receive nothing in return. That's how, listen, when you have a child, that's how that works. You, that child comes into this world not being able to give anything back from you. As a matter of fact, it's taking everything from you. You are its source of life. You love it, but it doesn't, it doesn't know how yet to love you back. It is responding out of instinctive notions to cling, right? To cling to the source of its supply. But that's not love. Right. It is not until they become aware to for themselves. And you can't I mean, you can't even say it like Shirley Caesar said it for the nine months. I carried you growing inside me. No charge. No, you no, You can't. No, 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 no. You can't say it like that, because if they don't, if that love is not conscious in their minds, they are not aware. Love is not aware. They don't know how to give that back. It's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to provide for me. You're supposed to give me this. You're supposed to do X, Y, Z, right? So they have no transactional sense that there is any level of responsibility for them to meet love in return. None of that. And if you base it off of that simply, well, they're supposed to love me back like how I love them. No, no, no. Because the moment you start thinking in that direction and that love becomes transactional, that person who you're trying to love is, has the upper hand. Number one, that's not love. Then that becomes manipulation because you're expecting something in return. Right? I love my wife, but I don't, I would love her. Watch this. Can you love them if they had a stroke and they couldn't do anything? They couldn't perform intimately. They couldn't go to work. Right? Do, would you still love them or would you, do, would you divorce them? Or you say, bye, I'm out. I'm done. Why? Because they can't do nothing for me. You see, that love takes an account. Come on closer. Love takes in account the, the, the harsh, the hardness, the, the bad times, right? See, when we talk about love, we think about the good times, the happy times, the joyous times, the intimate times. But love also considers, come on, love also considers when those times will not be bad. You know, we say it in the wedding vows, but I, I think we say it just to get through the wedding, but we don't say it, the vows toward the marriage. Talking here, A.L. Spencer Smith, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Listen, we say the vows to get through the wedding for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and in health, forsaken all others, as long as we both shall live. We say those vows 
never thinking that life might life and the good might turn into negative. The positive might turn in, the light might turn into darkness. Something, one wrong thing, one wrong diagnosis, one wrong accident can change a life. And my thing is, can you love on the other side of the conjunction? Can you love on that side? Good or bad, better or worse, sick or health. Can you love on the other side of or? Because the truth and the reality is, as life goes on, as life gonna life, you know, you could be young. It doesn't mean that you gotta be old. You could be young and something happens. And now, if I'm thinking transactionally, that love is simply transactional, what I'm going to get in return because of what I gave, then it ain't going to turn out right. No, absolutely not. And so you have to consider that. I don't think, uh, see, here's the deal. I think people, uh, and, and, and uh, somebody wrote me on the chat during the break, and I need to pull up this. Let me pull this up real quick because I thought it was really good what they said. And I want to repeat it, right? They said, honestly, many of us aren't doing love at all, but we're doing a lot of lying <laughs> to others and ourselves. Many of us love the idea of somebody and what we hope to get from them. We love the image we've crafted of them. And when the reality doesn't match the imagination of them, we've created for them. We are quick to say they lied and we wasted our time when the truth is we lied to ourselves about who they actually were. They may have hurt us, but we kept giving them the opportunities. See, when you don't understand a thing, I told you this, Miles Monroe, the late Miles Monroe, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe said that wherever purpose is not understood, abuse is inevitable. Wherever purpose for a thing is not understood, abuse is inevitable. Love says, I am willing to take, take the challenge with this individual. The challenge of what? The challenge of living in a world that may not always be pro-us, may not always favor the way that we see it, right? You might have money today, but then a couple of weeks later, you might lose your job. Are you still in love with the spouse that now does not have a job, cannot work, cannot bring any money into the home, cannot provide? Huh? Oh, well, you ain't got no money. I'm out. I'm going to find me. But then that was never a love. See, so we've got to take away from the notion to think that love is transactional because it is not. The lessons of love, the life of love is not simply what I'm doing something so somebody can do something for me. No, I'm doing it. When I say I love you, whether you can do it for me or not, return and like portion of what I think, whether you can answer my love, my 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 love, what would you call it? Uh, my 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 love. They they got um, uh, these these whole things about my love, the gifts and all that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, if whether they can meet that standard or not, you know, I have all these things I, I need in my life, and I'm getting this person because they're supplying a need. But the question becomes, what happens when they can't supply that need anymore? What happens if, if by chance, would you still love them? Because love says, I'm going to make up the difference because that's what God did. Huh? That's what God did. 
God says you can, so I'm giving. Let me try this again. God says you can't because I'm giving. That's, that's what it is, love language. That's right. If they don't know your love language, if they don't meet your love language, I hear that all the time. But my love language is this, my love language. No, my, my love language is however you show up in my life. However, however you see, whatever. sometimes you're giving me something that I don't even know I need, that I can articulate. What happens when I need love in an area that I don't have language for? Love says that person is going to go back to the one that they believe gave me to them and say, God, how, give, me, give me the language, give me the love, give me the articulation, give me what it put place in me what they need to become better. Right? Because when man couldn't, God gave. Gave what? His very best. Come on, John 3.16. Gave his very best, right? Which was his son. His son was the express image of the father's love. Huh? Jesus is the father's love in human expression. So God says, because they can't give it back to me, I'm going to still give it to them. I'm going to make up the difference. And if you don't have that kind of love that knows how to make up the difference in an individual, on the days when they have an attitude, on the days when they're not feeling it, on the days when they, they're upset and with life and don't even know how to figure it out, on those days, on those days when life is lifing for them on an individual level and you're expecting to, to have this holding hands in the park and they don't want anybody to touch them right now because they're going through. Do you have enough love? And this is what I ask the people at my church all the time. Is there a lamb in your love? What did you say? I'll say it again. Is there a lamb, L-A-M-B, in your love? In other words, is there, is there any sacrifice? Can you give me, is there anything that you can sacrifice, blood or something for me while I'm going through because you love me? When, I, when I'm not in a mind space to give it back to you like you think you deserve. Like you think you like you want it right now. Do you is there something for me that you 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 won't see? You won't think that I'm trying to hate you. I'm just trying to work through some stuff. That's what God did. And that's what love does. But that's not how we define it. That's not how we off time define it. And so then we find ourselves in precarious predicaments because we're trying to function with this mystery. We're trying to function with this idea, this concept. We're trying to live up to the dreams and the imaginations and the labels that we placed on this thing and then reality hits and then we are faced to look at all of the things that are not right, are not happening, right? See, here's the deal, that they, they love me so they never criticize me. But here's the truth of the matter. That sometimes love does criticize. Love does say, watch this, that, yeah, love does say, what you got on, that don't look good. Love says, ah, you can't, you big, you, you big enough, don't, don't eat that. Don't, no, no more of that. You, love says, you don't look good in that. Anything you love, love enough, you are willing to criticize to make it better. And when I say criticize, I'm not talking about criticize to the point where you strip away identity and strip away uh, its, its, its worth 
at, with negativity. I'm talking about criticize to the point where you begin to point out certain things that will that impede the progress of them being better. Now, you may have another language for that, but when you look at the word crit, crit, uh, uh, criticize, when you really dig deep into it, it really means, watch this, it, mean, it really means that I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you the painful truth so that you can be better from it. It doesn't mean how we define it today. Right? You know? So you, you got to understand, love does all of that. And if you're thinking love is just a business arrangement or transactional arrangement, you are, I see why love don't work for you. Culture call. I see. It is very evident. Well, they, he, he can't do that for me no more. She can't do this for me. Listen, okay. Okay. So this is transactional. Right? This is, this is, this, that's how you, that's how you choose a job. I go to work, they pay me a check. Right? Right? You don't go to work simply because you love it. Oh, they say, well, this week I, I don't have no check to pay you. You can be like, no, nah, I'm finding another job. But we treat relationship, we treat love relationships just like we treat that job that no longer can pay us. The job is supposed to be transactional, not your marriage, not your love relationship. Absolutely not. No, because the what ifs, love takes an account of the what ifs, both the fear and the fault. Yeah, love cast out fear, yes, and love covers a multitude of faults. So love already takes an assessment, fear and fault. Say it again. Love already takes into consideration what? Fear and fault. The person's fears and the person's faults. And not just the faults you know, but the faults you might find out. Uh-oh. Wow, what did you say? Get up off our neck. No. <laughs> Love takes into consideration the fears that the person might have, the traumas, and all of the things that they've been through, right? And the faults that those traumas and fears may have caused them to develop over the span of their lifetime. Love says, I got you covered. Love says, I'm not going to expose you. I'm not going to shame you. Yes, love says, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you accountable to being the best you that you can be. I'm going to hold you through your trauma, through your fears, but then I'm going to come back and say, hey, Let's, let's see if we can get some help. You don't have to do this. I'm going to encourage you out of bad parent, uh, bad parent uh, patterns. There it is, patterns, this, that P word. I'm going to encourage you out of bad habits. I'm not going to drop you on the wayside. Because watch this, his love to drop you is to drop me. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. To, love says to drop you is to also drop myself. And since I'm not going to drop me, then I'm not going to drop you. We're going we're gonna to go to rehab together. We're going to go to therapy together. We're going to go to counseling together. Until you tell me you don't want me anymore. That's what, then, then I'm going to give up. Until then, love works on it. Yeah, we, read the, we read the text, 1 Corinthians 13. We read it, but we sure enough don't believe it. Yeah, love says, I'm going to work on it until we get better together. I'm going to work on it until you can walk again, until you can talk again, 
until you're whole, until you're healed. I'm going to keep giving to you even when you can't give to me. Love says I'm invested in the betterment of your life, even when it don't always feel good to me. Are we ready? Are we ready? Yeah, for love. Are we really ready for love? Absolutely. We're going to answer that question. We're doing our best today. I know some of y'all had to clutch your pearls and probably <laughs> drinking something stronger than coffee and, and tea. But I need you to keep it right here on the Culture Call, right here on Praise 93.3. Yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. Don't miss it. We'll be right back. This is the world premiere. Hey, CC family, we're back. It's the top of the hour, 11 a.m. and some change, right here on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. Praise 93. Point three, your inspiration station, and we are having an amazing day. Welcome to those of you who are joining us this hour. Yeah, you missed the first hour. Yeah. But never you mind. Guess what you can do? You can go to Apple Podcasts. If you missed the first hour, you can go to Apple Podcasts and listen to the whole show. We have all of our past shows archived on Apple Podcasts. All you've got to do is type in the search, uh, the search bar, the culture call, not the, leave the article out, culture call, and it will pull my face up. You'll see me and it will have all uh, of the recent, definitely the recent past months uh, uh, shows on so that you can go catch up. And yeah, because we started, we kicked this morning off with a bang. We kicked it off with a big bang uh, talking about black love. What's going on? And so we want to welcome you. Uh, maybe you finally just got a break in your day and you're listening to us on your iPods or whatever at work, on your computer. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, we've been having an amazing day. Let me just go further and say uh, to us, even as we have this conversation, that it is not uh, it is not remissed upon me or dismissed upon me of uh, that all of us have certain uh, different levels of experience. Uh, different levels of understanding, um, different levels of perspectives when it comes to love, right? And although what I'm saying is an opinion, I, because it is it's my perspective, it is also interpretation of the text, the scripture. So I, I just want you to know that I am not remiss that some of you perhaps have been through some hard things, abuse and uh, uh, things that may have been troubling to your life and you and you, but you're not closed. You're not closed. We're healing, right? That you're willing in this season, in this year, to confront the trauma of what you experienced in your life and say, "Hey, uh, Bishop, I want to try this love thing again." And it's imperative if you're going to try again, because I believe everyone ought to try again. If it if love didn't work the first time, I believe you ought to try again. I don't think that that is a notion that you should just simply say, oh, forget about it. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't think about that. Because love is amazing. It is, it is transformational. Love is, as we operate in it, gives us the, our initial aspect. Watch this, y'all. Are you ready for this one? Of tra uh, moving and traversing through life as if we are God, like God. You know, to be like Jesus, right? <laughs> you know? To, to, to be like him, right? So this whole idea, God gives us love and helps us, uh, you know, helps us move in love 
It's because it's producing, watch this, the God nature within us. That's what love is doing. And so, again, you've got all of these gurus and you've got all these people that's talking about love. And I think that's probably a sort of confusion. I think social media and access to so much, a smorgasbord, a buffet of perspectives, ideologies, experiences being marketed as uh, wisdom, insight, guruism. Uh, I think that's what's also uh, damaging the understanding and the context of what love really is from the vantage point of how should we experience it, right? Because there are people, again, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, everybody's going live, everybody's making a reel, Everybody's talking about their experiences. And that's why I said, listen, don't start off from my experience. Don't th th see, I'm not necessarily sharing my experience. So this is not love according to L. Spencer Smith. This is love according to what God has revealed to me in terms of the scripture based upon himself. God, John, in the epistle of John, Apostle John says, God is love. That's what he says. God is love. How, what is God? Love. How does he function? Love. What is his actions? Love. Right? And even when you, even when you balance it out in the Old Testament, because those, the, 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 the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament seems to be schizophrenic, but when you look at God in a continuum through, through the lens of a narrative, of an autobiography that God is somewhat trying to tell, trying to speak to us as humankind, then you, you would see the nature of God's love unfolding over time, right? And so this whole idea of, of God, uh, God's love is trying to bring us back to him, right? Bring us back to him. It's that effort to bring us back to him. Oh, he treated this. It was so wrong here, wrong here, wrong there. No, when you... When you let me see how when you can transcend how you are interpreting it, interpreting, uh, interpreting it. Yeah. <laughs> when you can transcend that and you can begin to look at this whole idea that the story begins in love, in Genesis, preparation, provision. Right. When you begin to look at that and, 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 and God's goodness then you begin to understand that the narrative of God's goodness is, is interwoven into the love context himself. When I show up, God says, when I show up, I am love, right? And this whole idea about love, what, what God does teach us about love, love also have a, has a standard, also has dimension, also has uh, priority patterns, parameters, Right? That when you love an individual, that you too are, are have parameters, have expectations, have certain things that you believe that they should do, right? Not from a transactional sense. Even if they don't do it, your standard for for them for 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 it being done should not change, right? I mean, because you got to be true to the essence of love, right? which is functioning in God's nature within us. And so here it is. How do you put this in action? How do, what does this mean for relationships? Let me say this. 
is that if you are going to function healthily in a love relationship, I'm talking to I'm talking to my community now. I'm talking to everybody, really. Uh, uh, you have to understand, number one, that I don't I didn't define love, and if I'm operating in love, I'm saying that I am beginning to align my life to operate with the God nature on the inside of me. That I don't set definitions, God did, and I'm doing my best every day with the Lord's help through grace and mercy to reflect the image of God within me. Got it? Number one. Number two, love requires an object, right? Watch this. I'm going to say something here, and I'll need you to catch it. I need you to catch it because I don't have, enough, I don't have long to teach it, but I, I, I ought to talk about it because it's not a teaching forum. I just want to bring this into your mind. Love requires an object that it does not objectify. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What did you just say? Glad did you ask me. I'll say it again. Love requires an object to love that it does not objectify. In other words, love is not that thing where I, I, I love it to get something from it or to get something out of it or make it what I simply want to be for my own pleasure and my own desires without even, and once I get what I want, then I'm done with it. I only love it because it gives me what I want. That's not God's love. That's not how God's defi God defines it. That's not how that goes. I'm loving to, to see the best of that individual, what they were purposed and created to be. But I'm not objectifying them. I don't idolize them. You know, I am not reckless. Uh, I am thoughtful. I am thankful about what it's going to take to make this person become the best person. Not just for me, but for life. But for life, right? So I think that's very important. What do you mean? When God begins to tell you love, God says, love me first. I'm going to teach you how to love me first. Here it is. Love the Lord first. Two commandments. And then love your neighbor as you have loved, as you learn how to love yourself. God says, love me. Then I'm going to teach you how to love you. Y'all know this. I've taught this before, but let's go ahead. Just maybe this is a new person. I ain't never heard nobody say that. Okay, well, good. No problem. God says, love me first, and then I'm going to teach you how to love you. And then out of how I teach you how to love you, your faults, your failures, your 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 your, your brokenness, all that, I'm going to get you healed. I'm going to get you whole. And then love your neighbor like you love you. Love them enough to want to see them whole and heal and out of trauma, out of drama. Yeah. Right? But no, objectify. Don't you love from a context of brokenness thinking that that person is the answer or the salve or the panacea for your brokenness. And then when they don't heal what's broken in you, it is not their responsibility to love you into healing yourself. No, the order is wrong. God says, that's my job. Let me love you into healing yourself. Let me love you, absolutely. 
And then as you meet someone else, they're not meeting the broken or the traumatic you. They're meeting the healed you that my love helped. And you're going to help them, watch this, love themselves that same way. The same way. You're going to introduce them to God. You're going to introduce them to God's love if they don't know it. And if they do know it, you're going to reintroduce them to say, hey, let, take, let's, let's go to God and pray about this. Let's, go, let's take this to God. See, we're trying to do this without the originator. We're trying to do love without the originator, y'all. And we're messing it up. We're hurting other people. And what? We are hurting ourselves. Yeah, we are hurting ourselves. And so, and so God says, listen, let me, let me say this to you. That when you, when you decide to love, know that you got to love with your life. Know that every essence, every essence of who you are is, an, is, an, is a notion, is a byproduct of my love. And when you love an individual, when that thing wakes up in you, that means those butterflies that you feel, right? Those butterflies, those, that, that emotional thing that you feel, that, that thing, you know, that causes you to want to know who they are. I ain't trying to get in your pants. I ain't trying to lay down with you. I want to know the essence, the deep things of who you are. Yeah, that's love. Yeah, I'm not trying to satisfy any fleshy desire, any sensual desire when, I'm, when, I'm, when I say I love you. I'm not trying to manipulate you so I can get something from you or get some from you, right? You're not my, you're not my, you know, my object of sex. And, oh, no, that's not what this is. No, when I love you, I can sit in your presence and I just, I want to know you. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to make, know how you think about this. I want to know your thoughts on that. I want to know, uh, what, you know, I want to know what's my place in your life. Where is my place in your life? What has God connected us and joined us together to do, to perform, to be in the world? That's what I want to know when I love you, right? And when I love you enough to know, you know, what's, what happened to you as a little girl, what's going on, how was your childhood, what kind of your background, you know, and we begin to share stories to find out where we, where we, where we connect, where we can, you know, where we can be interwoven, where we can become a fabric, right? Where we can become joined together, a seamless garment. That's what I, that's what I want my love to be. So my love doesn't initially start off in the bed. And here is the problem. Here is the problem, culture call. Drum roll. Some of us try to define love by the bed. Once you go to the bed before you get into the mind, hello, because just because you got into their bed does not mean that you have gotten to their mind. And if you get in their bed before you get in their mind, I'm telling you, it is, down, it is, it is already going downhill. The object is, is that when we go to that final place, watch this, that final place where you do invite me to your bed chamber, your marriage bed, right? 
that we've made a covenant commitment before God and before our families to unite. Now the apex of love. See, this ain't about whether you can. It's not about chastity. It's not about you being a virgin. And I think we play too much on that. No, when you give the purpose and understand, I've spent all of this time trying to see your behavior. Now, I don't, I don't want this part of you because I'm trying to understand what makes you tick. I'm trying to understand before I make myself ultimately vulnerable and we become naked and not ashamed. I want to know that I can wake up next to you and agree with the vision and the plan and the purpose that you have for your life. That's what I want to know. Really talking about black love, that's why it also always fails because a lot of times the guys, we, we're, we're trying to get into a space with the woman that's not ready. And girls, you feel like that, ladies, you feel like you got to do something and put out and all that kind of, no, you know, men talking about, well, if I'm going to pay for the meal, I'm going to get me some. What? You mean because you took me to Papa Do's, you took me to Fleming, that I should give you the greatest treasure of my life? No, that's not love. That's objectification. That's what it is. You're objectifying me. You mean to tell me, see, we got it all wrong and we're having the, all the wrong, the whole, the wrong, that all it takes, you think for me, think about what you think about me. All you think it takes is one one good dinner from Perry's where you might spend $150, $200 on me and I'm supposed to open up my, my nakedness to you? Huh? Are you serious? That's what God designed it to be? No, he did not. He did not design it to be that way. No. But that's what culture has made us think it is. You know, and I'm telling you, I am telling you, that the apex of our love is that we commit to each other and then we produce something. Yes? If, our, if the body can, the physical body, then we produce something that is the signature of our love in children. When I look at my children, I talk to them, I think about how I love my wife. Why? Because she allowed me that intimate space to, to, to produce something together that looks like both her and myself. And we look at them, we, yeah, I've seen her body change, everything. And so when I look at my children, I see the love that I have for, 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 uh, for my wife. Absolutely. I see that. And if you miss that notion, if you miss that context, if you miss that divine responsibility, that divine opportunity to share that with an individual. And you say, well, I don't want marriage. I just want to have a child. What in the what? Do you know how much you decrease your worth and your value? Do you know how much this thing is not going? It, 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 yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It. Let me say it again. It is not going, and neither should you expect it to work, right? We're so busy trying to keep ourselves mystery, but love says, no, I'm taking off pieces of myself. I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to respect you as my sister, then my spouse, my brother, then my spouse. I'm, I'm learning how to respect your mind, your total being, what makes you tick. I'm learning, you know, to love every aspect of you. I'm learning. it, And it takes time to learn. It takes some time to learn an individual that came from different a different space and a different place. Sometimes it feels like 
a different planet. But you take that time to learn. Love is that time that you give to learn, to build the bond of that individual or with that individual. That's what love is. That's what I say. You Don't stir that up if you can't give time to that process. Right? The greatest enemy of love is not hate. It's ego. Let me say it again. That the greatest enemy of love is not hate. It's ego. It's selfishness. We got this thing defined wrong that you think the enemy of love is hate. No, the enemy of love is ego. It's selfishness. It's I'm in this for me. I don't care nothing about what you want. It's self-preservation. It's the lack of being vulnerable to an individual who you're trying to know. Yeah. See, that's what it is, culture call. We're, for that person to say, black love, what's going on? Yeah, we got to make sure that we're not doing this with ego. We're not doing this for ego, for selfishness. We got to make sure that we're not operating selfishly. No, it is an honor for me to open the door for you, right? It's an honor to provide the best meal on my budget. And it's an honor for me to even, even want to be with you and take you out in public, right? It's an honor. We're getting to know each other. Why does it have to be in an expensive restaurant? Why is that the measure? Because already you just ob objectified me, girl, because you're trying to figure out I'm worth more than that. I'm worth more. I'm worth more than a Happy Meal. You're worth more than Perry's. You're worth more than any kind of restaurant. You know, Del Frisco's Double Eagle. You're worth more than just that. But if he got to expend, yeah, all that kind of money and you, what? No, you're worth more than that. So if I take you to the drive through of Sonics and we're just sitting there sharing a fry, you eating your meal and I'm eating my meal, but we're talking, we're having intimate conversation that's the pricelessness that's what love is worth when i can when you let me in your mind and your dreams and your thoughts in your visions and your fears in your faults when you let me in to that safe ter that that guarded territory and you know that with me you're talking and you're having a safe and sacred conversation with me that's what love is. It ain't what, where they take you. It ain't how much money they spent on you. Come on. Because they can spend money on you and still not tell you their intentions. Still not, you're still not in their minds. See, the calculus, the math ain't mathing, y'all. We're measuring this thing all wrong. Oh, he must love me because he, he flew me out. What? 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 Why is that even required? Who are you looking to to measure yourself based upon that? Who are you looking to? Huh? Who are you looking to? That's what I want to know. Who are you looking to? And that's something you really have to understand. See, when, you, when you're on social media and all that kind of stuff, Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and all that, and you see people say, well, he got, he need to take me somewhere expensive, blah, 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 blah. Right? 
And, and then already it's transactional. So he says, well, I'm going to take you here. So then we're going to go. I'm, we're going to go to the Plaza Hotel. We're going to go to the Intercontinental. We're going to go to the Ritz. And you're going to set it out. I paid for this. This, this, how, this okay, but then, all right. Then you get offended because that. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, you get offended. All you want me is for sex? Well, I thought this transactional because, hey, you know what I mean? You got me out here spending four and $500 on a meal, and we just trying to get to know each other? Oh, yeah, this becomes transactional. Now, you put up or shut up because you know it is wrong. You know it is wrong. Let me try it again. <laughs> you know it is wrong, W-R-O-N-G, wrong, for you to expect that level of treatment and him not to expect anything in return because the moment you expect that level of treatment, you made it transactional. Oh, Bishop, I don't know if I agree, but I didn't ask you to agree with that. That it is what it is. Oh, yeah, it is what it is. It is what exactly what I say it is. Yeah, it's transactional. No doubt about it. It is transactional. And so you have to understand that a lot of times what we call love was a transactional agreement based upon perceptions and premonitions that we both have had. And hey, okay, at the end of the night, we sleeping together. At the end of the night, you're doing things, all that. And then, um, again, because he gets offended because it's being transactional, and then at the end of the night, you're saying good night. He's like, no, what, where's my part? What you bringing to the date? See, it, now, y'all going to get mad at this one, but I'm, I'm, listen, I stand ten toes down on it. The thing, we're so far off the scripture because the scripture, watch this, gives the bridegroom just as much and sometimes more, uh, uh, more a placement than the bride. We give more placement on the woman who's going to be the bride than we do the groom. The, yeah, but in the text, they were waiting on the bridegroom. Right now, the church is waiting on the bridegroom. Huh? I didn't mess that up. See, and so here's the issue. The issue is we've gotten so far out of kilter, so far out of standard, so far out of uh, common sense that's why I say, hey, if that man said, hey, I got a few minutes on my, my lunch break. I want to spend it with you. Uh, can we go to McDonald's or we can go to Burger King? I just want to share a sandwich, some Wendy's. And you're like, oh, no, I need to go to Chuck's Fish. I need to go to this and that. Really? Do you understand that that man just gave you the greatest, the greatest aspect of who he was with the invitation when he let himself be vulnerable and say, "Hey, would you go with me?" Push pause. We don't. We don't need to. We don't. We don't need to go any further. We don't need to go any further. Would you go with me? If he said, "Would you please?" Would you go with me to X? Okay. The fact that he said, "Would you go with me?" should be valuable to you. Whether he said, "Can we go to?" Uh, can you go with me to Paris? Paris, France, or Paris, Texas. The fact that he said, can you go with me? 
right? Right? And see, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Black love works. It love, love works, regardless of what color you are. Yeah, there are cultural nuances and cultural things that we deal with with regards to our blackness. But, you know, we look at how antagonistic the media has made the black woman and the black man to be against each other. But what I'm seeing on Culture Call this morning, if you're listening, is don't buy into that deception. It's manipulation. Don't buy into that. No. Would you go with me? Would you be a part of my life? Hey, I'm, I'm taking out a spot. Listen, I only have an hour and 15 minutes for lunch, but I want to spend most of that time with you. And you, and, and, and is that not much worth much more than any kind of expensive date? And if you're stumbling over Burger King, you're stumbling over McDonald's, you're stumbling over him get, getting some wings, we split some wings and a fry, just for him to tell you his dream, his aspiration, her dreams, her aspirations, huh? You can't, huh? And you can't see that? Yeah, that's where the problem is. We can't see. We're blinded by ego. And ego is killing our opportunities to love, Culture Call. Ego is killing our opportunities to love how God wants us to experience love. Listen, this is the culture call, 205-752-4800. If you got to talk to me on the phone, you can hit me up on the chat on the app. Yes, this is the culture call with yours truly right here on Praise 93.3 FM, your inspiration station. Keep it right here. We'll be back. There's more to come. Don't miss it. This is the world. We are back right here on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. Praise 93.3 FM, your inspiration station. And man, we have been having a blockbuster kind of day today as we've been talking about black love. Yeah, black love, black love. And you know, when I think about it, when I, when, as I think about it, I'm trying to figure out what in the world is black love. <laughs> black love, when we talk about it from that context, Right. Like, you know, I don't want to get into the thing that thinks that we experience love differently than anyone else simply because we're black, because that is simply not true. My, my race or my ethnicity does not determine or define the way that love uh, is experienced by, by, by me, right? And so love should not have a racial context. The reason why we say black love is because we are, we are poisoning it against what would be white love, right? It's the same thing as a human. I feel pain. I feel hurt when I'm, something hurts me. And that was something that racism did to black people in this country saying that, hey, they're black, so they don't experience pain like regular people do. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm using regular in air quotes, right? That they're hungry, but they should be hungry because they don't experience hunger, like other people do, right? And so there's some special kind of love because our melanation, our blackness, affords us this opportunity to experience love on a different context. And if you're looking at what, what we've had to love through, what we've been called to love through, that would be the case in terms of action and ideas and experiences. But the notion of love, because we are human, you know, 
there's really no context of black love. We could just say simply say that, you know, what's going on with black men and men and women as it relates to love relationships. But I don't think there's anything that, about black love. I get it from a media and or a marketing perspective, but I want to make sure that you divorce yourself from the notion that there is some special love, uh, you know, some love journey that we have differently because we are black. No, all of us have different love journeys because we are human and we experience life on different levels, right? That, you know, whiteness, the institution has been paradigmatic, uh, has been the, 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 the par for the course in our country so much that, you know, we poise, sometimes we poise things against that whole level of institution, thinking that something is different. But no, what I'm talking about today works for black people, white people, Asian people, yellow people, red people, purple polka dotted people, people from Mars, wherever they are from, that this is still the notion of how, what love is and how it should work. And uh, again, in our last segment, I was talking about the greatest enemy to love it's ego. It's selfishness. It's selfishness. And I want to I wanna poise this statement properly. And, you know, as we come to the almost to the end of another show, I want to I want to say this because I don't think that we understand it from that perspective. It's OK. Let me say this. It is OK to look out for yourself. It is OK to take care of yourself. It is OK to mind your own business and to study to just kind of keep your eyes on your own paper. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is not selfishness, right? Here is what selfishness is. Selfishness is two things. One, when I could help someone and I could provide something that would help them be better and I withhold it and I withhold it, that I possess something that literally could advance an individual's life. I have an opportunity of access that will make their life better, and I refuse to do it. That's selfish. Or when I get with an individual or I meet someone, yeah, and I'm just there to take what they give because they are givers, and I'm just, I become a parasite, and they become a host, I become a taker and never even think about, you know, doing anything kind and nice for them, never trying to place myself in a position to be there when they need me, right? Then that's selfishness, right? And so, no, I'm, I'm, and by no means am I saying love is the opposite of taking care of yourself and making sure that you're well. No, because Love begins to, love takes the journey of the of wellness, right? That in other words, you're not going to be able to love if you're not well. You're not going to be able to love properly and not dysfunctionally if you're not, you know, if there's not an element of where yourself, S-A-L-F, is healthy, right? If yourself is not healthy, then, mm, yeah, I don't think you need to touch that notion of love. However, comma, when you are in healthy, when you have a healthy or possess a health, a healthy self, a healthy self-identity, a healthy soul identity, then you're able to distribute love with no strings, right? You're, you're able to, to be in someone's life, to do what is best for them, 
with no strings attached. And that is the benefit of having a healthy self. But no, that is not selfish, right? So I want to make sure that you understand that there is nothing wrong with you loving yourself. Again, neighbor, as you love yourself. So then there's nothing wrong with loving you. It is when you recognize or it is revealed to you that your that another individual's life could be made better by your participation, by your input, by you accompanying them uh, on the journey, and you withhold that because of whatever notions you may have, that becomes a problem. That becomes a particular problem that we need to talk about, quite frankly, because again, you know, uh, Commission wrote a song years ago. The group Commission, Gospel Group Commission wrote a song, Love Isn't Love Until You've Given It Away. See, so you don't even know the capacity that you have to even love on that level if you're not attempting to give it to someone. Right? That's important. Right? See, love should is the, is the key to the locked door of intimacy. My God today, I didn't say a word. I didn't say, love is the key to the locked door, the, to unlock the door. There it is, to unlock the door of intimacy. Love is the key, right? Otherwise, the door of intimacy should not be opened. Now, we are all adults. I get it. I hear somebody talking about, well, Bishop, that's unrealistic. No, it's only unrealistic because you told yourself that. It's only unrealistic because that's not the pattern of life. We're not taught love and value. And um, we've not talk, taught our agency. We, we've taught rules and regulations. We've taught denominational doctrine. But we've not talked about value of an individual and let them understand that Intimacy is a locked door. It's a God-locked door in both women and, watch this, and men. And men, right? It's a locked door. And it's not supposed to be opened until love is ready, until I'm ready to commit, until I'm ready to sustain something with this individual that I know what I'm becoming a part of. That's why I said... That, yeah, love, as I want to know your mind, I want to know your dreams, your visions. I want to know, you know, I'm, 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 we can spend time and hours talking about family. Talking about not just the families we come from, but the families we desire. Jobs and where you want to be in life, what you want to do in life. You know, that's not, those are not quick conversations. Those are not our conversations. Those conversations take days and unfold and unpack over months. Right? Because what are you looking for? I want to look, I want to see where love has me to fit in your life. Oh my God. Because it's a travesty. Hear me? Hear me. It is something horrible for you to unlock the door of intimacy. And then after the intimacy is over, you don't see where you fit in that person's life. Or better, worse yet, they don't see where you fit. And they've not given you any kind of place to fit in their life. All it was was just sex. 
That part. See, and so, and so, yeah, we we teach, you know, uh, chastity, virginity. We teach a chaste kind of life from the aspect of, you know, uh, 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 from a religious context. Yeah. And yes, there is some contextuality with regards to religion there and, and our faith and what we believe. But on a real human level, on a really divine level, because everything we teach from a religious level is not on the divine level. Let me say that. Divine is what God says about himself. Religion is what men say about God and they try to make us live. So religion in some sort engages some level of oppression, some level of fright and fear. I'm not going to do this because I'm scared to go to hell. Well, if I understood that God loved me so much that he gave me love and said, hey, I'm gonna keep this door. I need you to keep this door of intimacy locked until love is ready, until you really understand who this person is, until you see yourself in that space. They invite you in that space. You make, they make room for you in that space. Huh? That part. Until you get to that part, then yeah. I see it as me loving God. Loving God with me. <laughs> yeah, I see me loving God with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole watch this body. I see that. I don't I don't I don't see it as oh, he's withholding something from me. That's that's what that's the first that's the first thing that we always think that God is holding back some level of pleasure or some level of context where we're going to be we're going to know him more, be more like him. That's the test of the serpent. That's serpentine thinking. Yeah. You know, go and give him some. Go and give her some. Okay? Well, okay. And then truly, what have you given away? Because when it's over, guess what? When it's over, when it's done, what? What then? What, what's going to be the issue then? You're going to be broken and heart, but you're going to cry all night long. Not just because the relationship ended, but because that person has become a part of you, which is what intimacy is supposed to do. The two shall become one. And that person has has become a part of you. And now y'all in together. Now you're broken up. That's why. That's why people that's what people call soul ties. That's why you can't go to sleep. That's why it's such a painful thing because you opened up the level of the door of intimacy before you found a space in love, before they placed you in their life properly. I know this rough. I know it's rough. I know it. But go ahead. There's some harsh medicine. <laughs> but drink it. Take it. Like my grandma used to say, drink it. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for you. It is. It is going to be good for you. Stop letting, stop letting these serpentine thoughts come into your mind as if you got to give it up and all these other things and these materialistic things and you mess around. And stir up love before it can please, which means love is designed to please. But you got to know, please, pleasure doesn't always mean things go right and makes you feel good. No, pleasure means that it brings forth the purposes of God. Remember what the Bible says, and it pleased God to bruise his son. Huh? What? God found pleasure in, in Jesus' crucifixion. That's the text. Right? 
So, but why? Because it was bringing forth purpose. Pleasing you in a relationship, man and woman, has to under, you have to see yourself as a part of that person's purpose. If you can't see yourself in that purpose, then you're not ready for love. Leave love, whatever color it is, leave it alone until you know your place and your space in that person's life. You find your fit. And when you find your fit, don't be letting that person go because of your insecurities. No, go ahead and open up to what God is trying to show you love really can do. Yes, yes, yes. I see the runway. This is the culture call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3. Yes, this is the culture call. Y'all, we got to go for just a moment, but keep it right here. We'll be back. Don't miss it. This is a world premiere. Well, family, it's been an amazing day. Another amazing show, and I couldn't have done it without you. Yeah, could not have done it without my CC family. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Culture Call as we've been talking about black love. Yeah, what's going on? And hopefully we're talking about love. I don't know so much about the black part. <laughs> but, but yeah, I told you that love is one of those notions that, you know, you can't put a particular uh, ethnic or racial adjective on it because love is love. Love is love. You know, love is God. God defines it. And how we live it out is, is you know, is the benefit. We become the beneficiaries of God's thought. And then we become the very image of God's nature in the world when we learn how to love. By this will all men know that you are or have been taught by me when you have love one for another. You are my disciples. And so one of the things that I really want to say to you today as we close out the show is don't be afraid to love. Love is worth the investment. Love is worth the planning. Love is worth the preparation. And that looks different depending on what God has joined together. Yeah. You know, when my wife and I started out, you know, you would have never thought we would have turned out the way that we turned out now. We wouldn't have, we were in a place of, you know, we were just kids starting out, <laughs> you know, trying to navigate, trying to learn, you know, and I remember one time we tried to get out and our parents sent us literally back, you know, her daddy said, well, you can't come home. And my mom, my dad, like, my mom's like, no, you can't come home to me either. No, because she's a daddy's girl. I'm a mama's boy. <laughs> so they're like, no, you can't stay there in that apartment and make it work. Right. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you what my mama told me to do on this air. <laughs> but she said, yeah, go ahead, do that and make it work. Y'all sit right there. God's got y'all. And what I want to say to those of you who are looking to start or have, produce relationships, love relationships, intimate relationships, listen, know if you're ready, not if another person is ready. Know if you're ready. Know if you're ready to make that God-level kind of investment in another individual. And make sure you have it that through thick and thin, through dollars to dimes, right? Make sure that you have enough love not just to cover what you know, but to cover what you might find out. Make sure you have love that can be persistent, consistent, committed, and enduring. Because God is love. Yeah, we are showing forth to the world the kind of God we have that will give us the privilege and the opportunity to love others like he 
loves us. Listen, like my grandmama and my mama used to say at the end of every phone call, I love you a bushel, I love you a peck, and I love you a hug around the neck. This is yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on the number one talk show. Oh, yes, right, number one. That's right, the culture call right here on Praise 93.3. It has been my honor to share with you. Continue to be at peace with one another. Continue to love. Continue to do all you can to do what is best for another individual. Love on yourself. Love God so that he can show you how to love others. Absolutely. You all have a blessed and beautiful day, and I'll catch you tomorrow. Same time, 10 to 12. Don't miss it. The Culture Call. Peace.